0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. I'm Nancy Anderson, and I'm joined by my co-host and the moderator of this roundtable conversation, Linda Descano. Hello, Linda. Hey, Nancy. How are you? I'm really good. I'm excited to get this going and to tell everybody what this roundtable conversation is about and who you have joining us. So today we're going to be exploring the theme of creativity and talk about what brand marketers and communicators should be keeping in mind regarding creativity in a post-pandemic, purpose-driven and highly polarized marketplace. The idea for this session really came out of some work I was doing in planning a communications off-site for our clients. And one of the pre-reads that was shared was an article in American Psychological Association about creativity as a skill that could be nurtured and the importance and the power of creativity in a time of change. And I have never thought of myself as a creative person because I have no artistic talent whatsoever, but I am good with words. So this whole idea of creativity as a skill just got me thinking. And I turned to two of my favorite creative thinkers and culturally savvy storytellers to join me in a conversation to dig into this further. So Andrew Stevens, hi, Andrew, is joining us. He's the executive creative director at Red Havas in the UK. He spent most of his career on the earned side, did a stint at Ogilvy, and also he's been on the brand side at Unilever and Body Shop. Andrew, so excited to have you today. Welcome.
1: Excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: And our other guest is Aaron Payton, who is the founder of creative firm Visual Math formerly the head of art and design at J. Walter Thompson. He's also worked at Saatchi and & Saatchi and Fallon and Duffy. And Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been more on the advertising side of things. Yes, uh,
2: very much so. And hello, and uh, thank you for having me.
0: And both of you are award-winning creative thinkers, so I can't think of anyone better to help us explore this topic. So I'd love to start with, how do you think of creativity in the context of communications, like broadly speaking, right, from advertising to the world of earned social experiential, because to me, it's like one experience for the consumer. So, Andrew, maybe you kick it off.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Like, it's it's actually when I first was, was thinking about creativity when you invited me to come and speak, which is great, by the way. Um, I actually it made me think to myself, actually, what is what is creativity? That's actually a, such a big question. I even went on to Google and typed, what is creativity? Um, I was like, what do other people think creativity is? Because I think there's probably, you ask a hundred different people, they're going to give you a hundred different answers. I ended up um, just uh, reading a little bit from a book by a guy called Robert Franken called uh, Human Motivation, which defined creativity as the tendency just to, to generate ideas or, or recognize ideas. And from that, I think that is probably the basic kind of definition. But um, what do you use those ideas for? And I think that's when suddenly all our different channels of disciplines, when we think about creativity in the world of work that we work in, when it comes down to what I do, um, creativity is about using ideas to solve problems, okay? Whether that problem is, you know, maybe people don't know about us, or they think this, and they want us to think that, or actually, we need to reach these kinds of people. Creativity in that earned context is fundamentally about solving that problem and, and providing a solution. You know whether you're lacking awareness, you want to educate. But then I'd like to say as well, like only half of creativity is really about identifying what the problem is in the first place, because it's not always clear what that problem is, and that's why at Brad Havers I have a partner in crime. I couldn't do my job without the brains of the excellent Claire Davis. Shout out to Claire, who's our strat director. She's the ultimate strategic thinker and brief decipherer, shall we say, who helps really. Uh, She leans into the framing of the problem and the development of the insights. whilst my job is then is to lean into the exploiting of that insight and articulating what that solution might be through a creative lens. So that's a very long winded way of saying what for me, creativity is solving a problem. If I can solve a problem, that's where we can add real value for clients as well. And you can think big or small. And then through the lens of earned, of course, is it new? Is it novel? Is my idea unexpected? Is it a first? Is it surprising in some way? Does it involve a personality like and crucially, is it aligned to what's happening in culture? But these are all the things that need to take into account into, into the creative mix. I imagine for you, Aaron, I imagine that we share a lot of things, but we're, we're coming at it from fundamentally different directions, perhaps.
2: I, I have to say, Andrew, I was sitting here listening to you and I'm like, oh, my God, you're my new friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was like, seriously, I, I, I couldn't agree with everything that you're saying more. It, it, the only thing I have to add, I just. Number one, I love the way you, you positioned it and put it out there because everything you're saying is, is absolutely true. And I, I think that shows a deeper thinking uh, about problem solving, but really it boils down to purpose. The purpose of what we're trying to solve, right? Whether it's a business mm-hmm. solution, as you pointed or awareness play or something like that. And creativity really brings purpose to life. So, you know, like a lot of the things that that I'm seeing are trending When I do a lot of design work and especially bringing design thinking into advertising, it's you're looking for patterns and trends and things of that nature to see where people are moving towards because that's what we do as humans. We all kind of group and go, oh, we like this today and tomorrow we like that. So it's getting on that cusp and being able to predict where it's going to go or just to pivot on purpose. And these these things makes, makes our job very interesting to be able to purposely pivot to create a reaction to either gain awareness or, or move product. So thank you so much, Linda, for introducing us because Andrew, I am going to be bothering you from now
0: on. <laughs> I knew you Bring would both be fast
2: friends. <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I wanna dig further because you've talked about creativity being purposeful. Yeah. We talked about the need for creativity to be contextual for what is happening in the culture. And we are at a time where there's been an increasing focus by consumers, by employees, on what a company's purpose is. And we're operating in a time where opinions are highly polarized. So how can brands connect more authentically with consumers? What is the role of creativity in helping bridge this divide and ensure that the brand remains relevant?
2: I think. Mean- part of my struggle has been like brands have to be authentic, tell an authentic story. And that, because we we live in a day and age where everything you can search about anybody, any brand, and you can see if their story holds water. A lot of brands will flip, right? They tell a new story, but people search them. And then two years ago, they were dumping chemicals, right? So their story is blown. Now, you know, part of what I think, and maybe this is completely off base, but you know, is, is that, creative is a a tool to be able to tell those authentic stories. How we tell them, you know, there's different from brand stories and selling product, right? You have lower funnel stuff that is pushing product, constantly chasing around the web, but then there's brand stories that are authentic, heart-wrenching, or heart-connecting, and and very emotional, where it makes you love a brand. You know, a long time ago, there there was somebody at Satya who was running it, and he was trying to create love marks. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but it's a very nod back to the past, but his, his basic premise was that people need to fall in love with brands. And some of the most successful brands have that, you know, you think that, you know, everyone that talks about the, the top brands in the world, like Nike or Apple, which is always a, a client always comes to me and goes, like, we want to be this, we want to be that. And I'm like, those are years in the making. That's not an overnight thing. Yeah, You know, you, you're not going to be able to become Nike tomorrow, you know, maybe 10 years from now, if you keep your story consistent you know, and consistency is huge.
0: I think it is all about being authentic. And when you're operating in marketplaces, that could be very polarized, right? You, you have to stand for something or otherwise you're yeah. so bland that you're relevant to no one. So I guess I'm trying to understand or guess from both of you is how you've used creativity to find those authentic connections.
1: I think, you know, uh, Aaron, you mentioned it early on. The purpose of creativity when it comes to purpose is to make it fun and engaging. And you can't make something relevant and authentic unless it actually holds meaning yes. for the audience. Um, and creativity is one of those things which actually helps lend meaning to what it is that we're doing. And But to do that, you have to be, you really have to stand out and show. It's one It's one thing for a brand to say it's it's doing something with purpose. Creativity mm-hmm. is showing them what that looks like and why it's relevant to you the audience. And I think actually when it, when it comes to creativity um you, you you mentioned that truism, you know, we need to stand for something otherwise you stand for nothing. But this is kind of I guess my my personal take right now on creativity and purpose is there is a there's a real glut of brands who have who are starting to take position on subjects because you know it's a thing people are like oh we need to have a purpose and whether or not that's really authentic to the brand or not it feels like having a purpose is something that all brands are jumping on. And um, they want to prove, you know, I'm a responsible brand. I'm worth your attention. You should buy me. You should choose me because I'm doing this good thing. But um, a lot of the time, this this whole focus on purpose, unfortunately, really means that some brands feel like they've lost an, an element of fun because everything becomes very, very earnest. Because it's like I'm really doing something good. I'm really trying hard here, guys. And that's really great. We we should be doing that. But we can do that and be fun as well and make it really engaging. Because that's where that's where creativity shines. Okay, like. We're here to entertain, to like, to inform, to 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 overwhelm with positive emotion, just make people really gel with the brand because they're like, hey, I want some of that. That really speaks to me. I think on the other hand, you know, talking, we're talking about purpose and creativity. We have some brands who are actually doing the opposite and they're really petrified because the world is so polarized. As you mentioned, you know, haters are going to hate. It doesn't matter what you do. People are going to point a finger at you and say, that's wrong. Or you said you were going to do this. But to your point, Aaron, two years ago, you did that. And now you're a, now you're a hypocrite. Yeah. um and so some brands don't want to take a position on anything because they think maybe maybe we're going to alienate certain audiences so our solution is to do nothing and this has led to a lot of creativity which is either really overly earnest or perhaps sometimes a little bit bland which is slightly disheartening because creativity should be exciting you know it should cause an emotional response you know it should thrill entertain inspire simultaneously a little bit of it should repel you because this this tension is the stuff of conversation which is what Creativity ultimately with, with my earned hat on is, is what we should be helping to drive. <laughs> it, it, you know, that's absolutely right. You know, it is
2: about the emotional response. And, and you know, whether it's it's entertainment or shock value, right? We yeah. have to move people. And I'm not saying consumers, I'm saying people. You know, we want we want our work to be part of a culture. So it's not about selling, it's about solving problems, right? So it, it, you know, it's making that full connection. You know, I I've seen like very provocative. Uh, work that I go, oh my gosh, that's so great. It's what a great piece of work. Or, you know, that moved me from a or something that's made me laugh. But both of those things had an emotional response yeah. in me where I fall down and there is a purpose for it. And I, I do want to bring it up because it is massive, is this lower funnel, chase you around the web kind of stuff that does work. It works for brands who want to move product and sell things and they Maybe it's just like by now, oh, you know, you signed up for this, but you didn't, you know, follow through. We're gonna give you a discount. But it's effective. So effectiveness is, is that creative? Or mm-hmm. I think it can be, you know, mm-hmm. or is that the Wild West? But that that's something where, like specifically for where I come from, sits at a very brand level. So it's very up there. But the, this section I've had to dabble in, and it's not something I, I do well or I like to do but I do see the effectiveness of it. So like, I, Andrew, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that,
1: actually. Okay, so the question we're asking here is how do we measure creativity? Um, Kinda, are, yeah. we, uh, yeah. uh, are we measuring on an emotional response? Kind of then that's the big, big stuff. Yeah. Or are we measuring on a really functional response, which is by this is 299 that can, you know, buy this, it's $2.99. That, that can also be done creatively. Sure, like, but it's not. Buy this, it's a penny less than three pounds. That probably would never fit on a banner. <laughs> I don't know any <laughs> client who'd buy that, but <laughs> you can still have fun with it. Like, so I, I think creativity is it's going to work its way into everything we do. It's just about like how we show the solving of the problem. But I guess with with urns, we, we will rarely have a brief that says, you know, we just we just need you to sell this one thing. You know, we'll we'll get product placement and stuff like that, and and there's a lot of work around that. I I, I don't mean to undermine that work because you can you can set up a whole annual press office around selling a single item for two nine yeah. nine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have that brief yet. If there's any clients listening, <laughs> send it along because <laughs> we can do that, and you can have a lot of fun with that. And sometimes I think that's a joy of creativity, isn't it? You can I think Mary Poppins said it best. You know, in every job that's to be done, there is an element of fun. That's where that comes into it for me.
0: I think Aaron, I. You you bring up a good point. Like we think we historically as communicators have thought about top funnel, right? Mid funnel, lower funnel. We've thought of paid versus owned versus right. social versus experiential. But in today's world, it's to the audience. It's like one experience. And so to really break through, right? This overwhelming number of messages that people see That's the power of creativity is how do you weave it through every touch point in a way that's consistent for the brand that's authentic to the brand, but it also strikes the right tone for that particular touch point and the mindset of that person when they're at that time of day or on that particular channel, because we bring maybe a different mindset if we're on LinkedIn to when we would, if we're reading the New York Times, to when we're reading the latest issue of People Magazine. And so the same message won't work well, but yet we need, through creativity, we need some red thread that ties everything together, right? So that we're we're still maintaining that emotional connection to the brand. And maybe that's why we will finally say yes to (laughs) 299 because we've had that experience And our affinity is growing for each touch point because it's touching us a bit deeper.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it is, it's a lot of repetitiveness when when you think about marketing it, you know, stay on message, things like that, pivot when you need to pivot for the right reasons on strategy for a purpose, (laughs) you you know? Right. And where I struggle lately has been because we've been so online you you talked about post pandemic now everyone was kind of behind a screen for a couple of years and that behavior that everyone has gotten used to working through different channels and but being constantly online and, and being targeted a certain way imprints on people so now the expectation becomes that which is nice to know about really because now you can, again, take your work and do a lot of fun things with it because you'll find the gaps. That's what a good strategist does. So Andrew, you're very lucky to have one. It, you know, It's about finding those gaps to be able to move things and create, because nothing's really new. So when you're creating new context from somewhere else and putting it in there, whether it's, oh, we're, how car ads have been sold, we're gonna take that to sell something else or to bring awareness. Or to flip on something to shock something about violence or whatever. You, you know, that's kind of where we are because things are being regurgitated and people being hit constantly with kinds of input all the time. And now the screen behavior is becoming things people are going to expect on the outside. And I'm starting to see that with new emerging business models that I'm not going to mention names, but there's one in particular that's basically taking what you would do on YouTube stunts or TikTok stunts and now making experiential activations outside. You know, they're not doing it for brands right now, but they're doing it as stunts. And what they're going to do is eventually infuse brands into it because brands are going to be like, oh, I want to be part of that. You've gotten, you've captured such an audience. So it's just a weird world we're living in now post-pandemic, but uh, I I think it's also exciting. And I, I think there's a ton of opportunity moving forward
0: we can move on to the next part of the Mm -hmm. conversation about what keeps you inspired, how you keep your creativity flowing without asking you to each share maybe one campaign that you've seen over the past year that really has stood out in your mind for its like creative power and
2: effectiveness.
0: Aaron, I'm going to put you on
2: the (laughs) spot. I'm going to name three top uh, quick ones only because for me, they build, right? So, Chris Porter London did uh, an Imagine campaign. It was data-driven. And what was nice about that was it really was just posters out of home. Uh, They did an online film, a coloring book. But the whole point of that was the data proved that it was for gender bias. So, you know, they had headlines like Imagine a CEO. And that's a question to you. And automatically you will go to a gender. So it's about adding that, right? But it was data-driven. And then, you know, really we have uh, Vice World News. The British Museum tour which was AR driven uh it was experiential <clears throat> you go through it and you know it's really about what had the museum steal from culture and that you know how it affected the the people there and lastly which was a stunt which was the lost class for gun reform which was done by
1: Leo Burnett Chicago and oh, was that, that the AR15s in bike racks
2: no it was uh they they brought on John Lot who is a big pro gun guy and they had him speak at a high school graduation oh, oh. but during his rehearsal speech it was to empty chairs to represent all the people all the children who died. Ooh, gun wow oh, wow super wow. powerful super emotive and yeah. all three of them are basically awareness campaigns. Now I love that. That's kind of my wheelhouse. I love that stuff and it's stuff you know that I think can go into even you can put that kind of thinking into any space. Mm-hmm. But you know, but it's also using different technologies, right, to approach different media spaces. So all the all the media is tools for creativity to be expressed. That's really it. And, you know, it, it is just because we, again, live in a transparent world. People want that, that those are emotional connections. Not one of them are funny, but funny works, too, because it's it's a trigger. So, you know, sad, funny, indifference is death, you know, but those those mm-hmm. are those are my three.
0: Those are great examples, and we will add links to them in the show notes. Andrew,
1: um, I'll just do mine very quickly, and and perhaps not as as hard hitting as as those ones you mentioned. Aaron. this was a, a little bit more lighthearted. It was just a, a really simple campaign by Cadbury's over here for their for chocolate fingers. So that. <laughs> They're chocolate biscuits about about the shape and size of your fingers. So great name, does what it says on the tin. And talking about purpose and and how they can make how we can make purpose fun and engaging. It seems really obvious, and I don't know why they'd never done it before. But they they partnered with the National Deaf Children's Society to encourage people to learn British Sign Language because fingers, hands, sign language, it makes sense. And uh, so there's this great obvious link between finger biscuits and sign language. But it's also kind of unexpected because you know on the surface it's just a chocolate biscuit but they've created a load of really fun educational pieces about like, how to ask someone if they'd like a cup of tea in British Sign Language. They've partnered with celebs, and this is with my earned hat on, two celebs here in the UK who've got their own personal experiences uh, with being hard of hearing to talk about. I've seen big conversations, uh, not just through Earn but also online about the difference between British Sign Language and American Sign Language. And at the heart of this, though, was the idea that deaf communities often in the UK, unfortunately, are marginalized, And there's something we can do about that okay and we can all help them feel less marginalized by learning some of the language they speak and engaging with them on everyday basis like we would with anyone else um lots of fun social content and importantly it's got the product right at the heart of it. It's, it's, it's a chocolate biscuit. But suddenly when I have a, a Cadbury's finger biscuit, I'm suddenly enjoying it a lot more because I, I understand more about who they are, what they do and and why they're important, the role that they're playing, not just in my life, but in wider culture. I just thought it was very gentle, but very fun and, and just really nice feeling.
0: That's a great example. All of them are great examples. And we, again, will include links to each of these campaigns in our show notes. So, so thank you for that. I wanna get back to both of you and with so much that it takes to just get through the day, how do you stay inspired? How do you keep your creativity flowing? What do you do to help you sort of step away and keep all of the the motion, the ideation going and not let the day-to-day put on a lens and narrow your thinking?
2: Since I've been young, I've always made things and I've built things and I stay in a bit of a youthful mindset you know, and I kind of approach the world with open eyes and I'm always excited by what people are doing and people inspire me, you know, when, when like Andrew inspires me, like I, I, oh. I get excited. I, I get excited to hear other people talk and, and I reflect back on myself about, oh, wow, that's cool. What he's doing and what she's doing and what they're doing. And I'm like, I want to do stuff like that too. So I have this kind of innocence even though the world is pretty jaded and dark sometimes, but I have this innocence about an optimism. I was told I have too much optimism, but I just believe that people can do whatever they want. And that excites me. And that creates opportunities to make them. So there. I once heard this, and I don't know if it's true, but no one is actually lucky. There is no such thing as luck. It's just about who's open to things. And the more you're open to things, the more opportunities come your way. And which is perceived as luck. So I take a page from that and I go, yeah, I'm open to pretty much anything. And that optimism and acceptance of anything creates cool creative opportunities for me. And that's it excites me to wake up every day.
0: The so two things stand out. One is about being open. It's like a curiosity, right? A willingness right. to learn, an inquisitiveness, right? And just engaging with people and hearing others. Second thing that really stood out is I was not an inspiration for your creativity. Uh, um, so, yeah,
2: you know, that that without I being be said. I, I, <laughs> I have no, no, no idea. backpedaling on that. <laughs> I'm not backpedaling. I just didn't know if you wanted everyone to know. That's all. <laughs> of
0: course, I do. You know me that well. Um, but what you said about you know, curiosity and and being open-minded is something that came out of the American Psychological Association article on the science behind creativity, which basically said that kind of curiosity. And it's something that you start off as kids, but then sometimes it's not nurtured and the importance of keeping that openness, right? That optimism, that excitement about the world is key. All right, Andrew, coming over to you.
1: Well, I mean, I first of all, yeah, you, you, you've you got to be curious about stuff. Um, and I, I love the idea that you've maintained that kind of childlike approach to life, Aaron. I think going into stuff with open eyes is, is really what you, you've got to do. You've hit the nail on the head. I try and expose myself just to lots of different stuff. I'm a science major. I actually studied biology. Um, I actually spent six months of my life with my eyes glued to a microscope counting a paramecium for a population dynamics theory. And it was literally the opposite of the rest of my life. Because mm-hmm. After I did that, I was like, okay, I've done that now. I get it. I don't think that's really, that's not my jam. But the reason I'm I'm saying this is in order to be creative, for me, I really need to be able to view things in, in new ways and from different perspectives. And that's about setting up points and counterpoints. It's all about context. And like your brain is the, the, the most powerful supercomputer that, that that is in existence right now. We're, we're still not matched it. Okay. And maybe we, we we probably never will. You give your brain input and it will give you output based on the context of where you are in that time and place. And so like in the short term, like if I need an answer right now, my brain will give me answers based on my immediate situation and, and my context. Uh, but it also puts that problem into your subconscious, you know, for say, let's say longer term processing. And so whilst it's, you've got a problem in the back of your brain, all the different contexts that you experience, all, process, all the different environments, the challenges, the social situations, all the different things you might be doing, they provide your brain with context that it then tries to map a solution against. And that's when you get the real unexpected stuff coming out. Because sometime later, that eureka moment will happen, theoretically, fingers crossed. And that's why the story of Archimedes is so great. He had his eureka moment in the bath, Okay. He was processing this problem, which was in the back of his head in a scenario totally unrelated to his daily mathematical kind of endeavors, you know, the hot water, the suds, the bath. It's like, boom, I get it. Suddenly this idea is giving me a whole new context. I'm in the bath. It's about displacement of water. And that's how our brain works. And so what I try to do is think about what I do every day, which is kind of uh, this. I'm in front of a screen, talking to clients, doing doing this kind of work. And then I try and dedicate some time to doing completely the opposite, you know, creating new context for my brain to do its work. I mean, it's really obvious stuff, I guess, you know, what's the opposite of being in the office? It's, it's being in nature. I'm, I'm currently befriending two crows in my local park, uh, which I spend some time every morning doing it. There's a big crow and a little crow. And they recognize me now. And when I walk into the park, they'll, they'll clock me and they'll fly down and they'll kind of sit next to me. And I figured out they really like unsalted peanuts. So I, one day I'll get them to eat out of my hand. That's the goal, that's the dream. But um, the point is that this is about as far from my job as I can imagine. So I try and make a point of doing stuff like that. that that's, that's me. It's not very, it's not it's not very complex. Just do different things. Absolutely. You yeah, know, it's funny.
2: Crows will leave you
1: gifts. Right. Okay, that's the dream. Okay.
2: Yeah. Ah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and they recognize you and they'll follow you.
1: Well, oh, okay. I haven't got that far yet. <laughs> there's a there's, a there's a there's a subreddit called Crow Bros. Yeah. Um so and I'm taking all my tips from the Crow Bros subreddit. Shout out to these people. Okay.
2: You have to be consistent when you feed them in the same place and everything. I'm um, doing that.
1: Do you have do you have crow experience? I feel like we're gonna to have to talk I, I, I about this. I, I...
0: We will include something on Crow Bros <laughs> on the show notes. And then we're going to ask you to come back and report out. Andrew, we'll give you a few months and we expect video too awesome. to include the next time you're visiting your crows. Like Send us a photo, we can include that in the show notes as okay, well. Okay, great. But what I, I really like of what you said is we all have there's a creative power in all of us, right? It's a skill that we can nurture and we can develop, right? And so much of it is the mindset, what we how we approach right a, a topic, an issue, a challenge. It's it's by with curiosity, it's with being open minded, it's maybe stepping back. And putting ourselves in a different environment and a different mindset. And that can also help you reflect, you know, subconsciously reflect and give your brain the space to make those connections. And then yes, maybe you'll have an aha moment that can get you this solution. But it—it it, it is something that could be nurtured. And we just may, our, our creative skills may play in different ways. Yeah. Okay, we can keep talking about creativity and crows and many things, but we do need to bring our conversation to a close. You know, creative quality remains one of the top drivers of brand impact. And according to a study by Cantor, can account for as much as 50% of campaign effectiveness. So as we bring this to a close, with so many brands beginning to think about 2023, is there one thought you would want? a brand marketer and communicator to keep in mind, you know, when it comes to elevating the creativity of their campaigns, their communications next year.
2: They just have to be honest and empathetic and really understand their audience. That's the empathy that, you know, even creatives need to have. You know, you need to put yourself in other people's shoes in order to understand them and talk to them in an honest way. So honesty, authenticity, all that stuff go hand in hand. But empathy is a
1: huge one. And I think brands can learn a lot. I don't know. I feel like I'm quite radical with my response. Because ra- radical is the is what I think brands should be, how they should be behaving right now. And you can be radically empathetic as well. But the, the point is the world is in a quite a radical state of disarray right now. And we really require radical solutions. and that requires everyone to join in and that includes brands and you know we we have everything to lose if we don't do this and we have everything to gain if we do be radical be daring think of the thing that probably would have got you fired a few years ago put it in front of your client say let's talk let's do this and crucially make it positive it's a tough slog right now yeah. uh, and what we all need is some some light some laughter positivity is contagious let's let's spread a bit of that around yeah, i
2: agree with you and just because you're doing good doesn't mean you have to be nice about it and that's right. not a negative but that means being provocative and showing things in in a bigger way that that may you know and humor to your point is massive right there there are studies showing that if you watch 15 minutes of comedy it calms you before a presentation if you have to give one or things like that so hmm. you know these two things whether it's big emotional responses that are dramatic whether it's the examples i gave or something that's fun and whimsical you know, that they still trigger the person to have a reaction, you know, but to, just to go back to my earlier point that when you miss, there's no emotion, it's indifference and that that's yeah. death for a brand. So, you know, whether it's going to be very dramatic or very humorous, that's fun. Brands need to wear that. You can't be flat and you can't be safe. You can't be in the middle to your point, Andrew, it's like you can't be safe. You have to pick a lane, pick a spot to be able to push into, and then own it. You know.
0: I think you've captured it so well. It's not being on the sidelines. Yeah. Right. It's about being purposeful, about being provocative, but it, and it's also being contextual, right? Understanding what is happening in the broader culture, but what's happening, Aaron? You brought this out about, you know, where people are emotionally, right? where they are are physically, where they are virtually. So you can meet people where they are mm-hmm. and that can help have a more authentic, empathetic connection with them because it'll be more meaningful. And it, it has to make sense for what the brand says, right? And aligned with what do they do versus what they say. And that's the way. And that, that can, in many cases, be radical for, for some brands that haven't brought that perspective right? And that point of view through their creativity, through their communications in the past. Well, thank you again for, for joining us for the conversation. And we look forward to having you back to continue.
1: Thank you. Have thank a great you. It was a rest pleasure. of your day. Please. Wonderful to have you. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Aaron. Bye-bye. Thank you both.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's episode. You can subscribe to the show using your favorite podcasting app, You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And don't forget to rate and review today's show to let us know how we're doing. We hope you'll join us again for more of the latest communications, insights, and trends from the team at Red Havas.